Welcome to Whisker Dice. Hey, yo, folks, I'm your host, the Conzie. My other co-hosts are Brian, Justin, Matt, and Suzanne. And this is episode 107 of the Whisker Dice Tabletop Gaming Podcast. <laughs> Today is March 1st, 2023, and on today's episode... We're going to sit down and have a conversation with Dave of Paverson Games. We'll catch up on the tabletop gaming news. But first, let's roll into the games that we've been playing. All right. The first game we got to play this uh, actually just recently uh, at our monthly Misty Mountain gameplay for with Whisker Dice was Clank Catacombs. The publisher is Direwolf Games. Playtime is about 45 to 90 minutes, and it can handle two to four players. It is very similar to Clank. So if you are if you know Clank, you're going to be able to handle Catacombs. The big twist on this particular game is, unlike Clank or Clank in Space or other ones where you have a set map, this one has tiles that you lay down as part of going through the game. And the Catacombs are built out as you move through these tiles and explore the map. So this is something that uh, Ben and Suzanne actually saw at Gen Con, but they weren't able to demo it. You know, blessedly, the the owner of Misty Mountain Games uh, brought his copy with him, and uh, we played it with him. The players do have some opportunities to kind of work together, but you're also trying to work for yourself. It's, it is it is a dungeon crawler style game where the goal, of course, is to get down deep in the dungeon, steal as much loot as you can, and get out as quick as you can before the dragon kills you. Like anything, it's a, it's, it's a bit of push your luck, see how far you can get without dying. It, it is a, a middleweight game. It's, it's not too heavy. It's not too, too light. But one of the things I will say that I really enjoyed about this particular version of Clank, and I am, uh, you know, with all transparency, I am a fan of the Clank series. Uh, my favorite prior to this, I think, was Clank in Space. But this one I liked a lot because of the tiles. You know, you don't know what the map's going to look like. You aren't quite sure, you know, what path to take. You know, if you've played the original Clank or even Clank in Space or any of the other versions, you know, once you've played the maps a few times, you're going to have a really good idea of what's the optimal way to move through that map and, you know, try to get to what you need. This one, it's random. Every time you play it, the map's going to be different. I really like that aspect about Clank in this particular version, because I feel like it's going to make it have a lot more replayability. Clank is, uh, particularly the fantasy versions of Clank, have a lot of repetitive nature to them. And the by having the map kind of come to life as the players kind of create it and discover it, it really did change things and it changed your expectation as to where things are. I think there's an argument for trying to get in and get out being a valid strategy and, and letting other players have to kind of fend for themselves to find the bigger treasures and, and try to still get out in time. It was definitely a strategy I tried to play, but quite honestly, didn't work out in our game because uh, BK was able to, you know, push his luck a little bit and managed to snag a treasure and then scoot out just in time 
so that he could pick up quite a few extra big bonus points over the top of me. But I think there is a bit of uh, strategy, and I think that's what I've heard about it is a lot of players are getting in and getting out and not pushing their luck to try to get those bigger treasures once somebody's starting to make their way out. If you start making your way to get out, it seems like there's three or four turns that everybody's at least got a warning before you're out. And then probably another, you know, three or four turns that they can use once you're out before the risk of damage and death becomes too great for them. So that was just kind of interesting to see and worth taking note uh, for future play. But I do like the game. It was, I think Clink in Space is still probably my personal favorite of the Clink series, but this was really good. And anybody looking to add Clink to their collection, I would strongly recommend this version. Yeah, I, I would definitely recommend this version over the the original Clank, personally. But one of the mechanics, just so that I'm clear, it is somewhat a deck-building game. So you start with a basic deck, and as you move through the dungeon, you are adding cards to your deck. So you're trying to optimize what's going in your deck so you can afford better cards. And if you get an opportunity, remove cards that aren't helpful to you. So there is that kind of aspect to it. One of the big differences I noticed between this version of Clank and the others, which I think I've played Legacy Space and the base Clank, is that you don't see the full map from the beginning. So there is right. no planning out what your path is going to be. What cards do you need to get there? So the deck building aspect has a little bit more difficulty as is figuring out can you push yourself to get that you don't see that big prize necessarily so that push your luck do i just go a little further you don't really know where that further is yeah so i think that just adds a little bit of a different feel to this game versus the others i like all four of them for different reasons that was clank catacombs Moving on from Clank, next one that we would like to talk about is Dice Manor. So Dice Manor is a game from Arcane Wonders that is a brand new game they just put out. Plays two to four players. Takes 30 to 45 minutes. This is a game that Wisco Dice received an advanced copy of from the publisher to play and review. And we will be having a video come up on our YouTube channel shortly for this. So in this game... You are a property developer, and you are trying to create the best manor, this best like residence, and then advertise it and get lots of people to come in and look at it. And in doing these different parts of the game, you are gaining points that will ultimately lead you to have the best house and win the game. It's called Dice Manor. So during these rounds, you're using this handful of dice you have to build on blueprints or advertising space or even leading tours of your manor. And it's kind of a unique mechanism where you are rolling your dice and then taking the set of one of the numbers that you rolled and then you're placing those in these different areas for bidding on it. You, a lot of times you think, oh my gosh, it's a bidding game. I'm not going to win anything. This one has a mechanism so that even if you don't win the big prize when you're betting, you always get something that's valuable for you to help you. And at least in the two-player games I've played, there is not a huge competition for different rooms because you're trying to have a variety of rooms. Just like any house, you don't want to be filled with all bedrooms. 
<laughs> you have multiple rooms. At least I hope everyone's home that's listening here is not only bedrooms, that you have a bathroom or a kitchen or a living room or whatever. So in this manner, you're trying to have a variety of that and having different themes for the rooms. It's a bidding mechanic, but it's a nice way to introduce bidding mechanism to maybe newer players even. And at the end of the game, after you've completed four rounds of building and advertising, you have a final grand opening tour where you use your dice to lead people through this round and hopefully have no unhappy guests coming there. Uh, that's an overview of the game. My thoughts on this is that it's a, it's a fun theme. It's simple to learn, but you can sit there and really analyze things if you want to go that deep into it with how you're going to bid for rooms and how you're going to lay out your manor. Or you can do what I do and just go, oh, this looks cool here, so I'm going to put this pretty color here and see what happens. The components are of good quality, and the iconography is very easy to understand. The artwork that they have on here does work for this game and enhances the theme to me. Those are my thoughts on this Arcane Wonders game called Dice Manor. Coenzy, what are your thoughts on it? As far as the game's concerned, the game was actually enjoyable for the game. I had a good time with it. I think it'll be a great family game. It's a nice lighter game, but there's still enough. There's still quite a bit of meat to the game. You can really kind of make some interesting decisions on what you're, which rooms you're acquiring. And then one of the things that you're able to do on each round is you're able to send some of your dice as basically visitors in the rooms. And each of the rooms have certain numbers on them. When you roll your dice at the start of your turn and you have maybe three threes and you had three rooms that are threes that are all kind of lined up from your entry room going on in, it might be a great opportunity for you to have those dice be visitors to your house as it's kind of being built. You score a bunch of points that way, which is a kind of a neat way to also take some of those dice rolls and, and strategize which rooms you're getting because it's not only, hey, do I want to have a set of all these different rooms because that scores a bunch of points at the end, but I also want to have rooms that have, you know, three or four rooms that are all kind of close together that I can from the entry that all have use the same number on them so that when I have those sets of rolls where there's three threes or two or four fours or something like that. I can just go bing, 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 and set them all down and score a bunch of points that way too. I was not thrilled about the artwork from the box itself to the artwork in the game. I, the tiles themselves have some nice artwork that show like, hey, gives you the feel of what the room is, whatnot. But the overall artistic look of the game itself was not for me. But overall, uh, Dice Manor was, from a gameplay perspective, was a cool little game. Yes, it's definitely worth checking out, especially if you have a group of players that are new to some different game mechanics or nervous about getting into games that have the bidding with it. So that is Dice Manor by Arcane Wonders. You can go to wiscodice.com for links to all the games we've discussed. And while you're at it, don't forget to leave a review of this podcast wherever you download podcasts. With that, let's go ahead and roll into the news. All right, the news. We have a YouTube channel, which we mentioned the last podcast. Hopefully you all have checked this out. If you have not, please do. We have several videos launched. We'd love feedback. We'd love to hear what you would like to see on this channel, too. We're adding new content weekly. 
in our February new games episode that we'll be recording in a couple of weeks. So it should be up there really soon. Hopefully when you're listening to this, we'll have a list of games we're hoping to play in March. So I'd also love some feedback. If there's games you really want to hear our thoughts on or ones you think we should be considering for a future month of gaming. Upcoming is that you should watch for our review and posts about Her Story, which is a new game by Underdog Games that is coming out. And in our post for that, you'll find a special uh, discount code if you want to purchase the game in the month of March. Just a reminder that the next Wisco Dice board game night at Misty Mountain Games will be on March 31st. So that should be an easy one for you guys to remember. The games start at 6 p.m. and we welcome all comers, like uh, Suzanne talked about. We've had all sorts of new players, people that uh, don't play a lot of games, and very experienced people, too. Play a game from the Wisco Dice Tabletop Gaming Library, or bring your own if you want to play something in your library. We would love to see you there. Gen Con badges are on sale now. If you're going, you should expect to see members of the Wisco Dice Tabletop Gaming Podcast at the show. We would love to meet some of you. And we will definitely have some Whisker Dice swag to hand out. So feel free to catch us at the show and say hello. We would love to meet you. I want to note that Gen Con, you probably want to stay tuned to upcoming news about what Whisker Dice will be doing for special events and or other organized play at Gen Con that you might be able to get tickets for or participate in. All right, and don't forget that GaryCon 15 is coming in March. Get your tickets now for this four-day RPG extravaganza in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. And of course, right after that, you've got AdeptCon coming up in March 22nd through the 26th. So many cons, so little time in March, I guess. There'll be so many cool miniatures and all of the funness that is AdeptCon, of course. Most important, make sure you check out the Batman miniature game events that I'll be playing on Thursday and Friday, and I will for sure be in them. I think Stark's going to be in them, and we'll see other people from the Madison crew as well in them. And that brings us to our crowdfunding section of the news today. I'll mention that you should check out our Kickstart Monday blog every Monday to get some other kickstarting and crowdfunding projects highlighted. But the first uh, game we have today is called Huang. This is from well-known designer Rainer Knizia, and it is an area control strategy game where you will unite the warring states of ancient China under your dynasty through wars and revolts in an elegant, fast, and highly addictive game for two to five players. And that one, uh, Huang, is on up on GameFound right now. Next up on Kickstarter, we have Totem Hoarder. This is a 20 to 30 minute two player strategy card game where you will assemble crazy creatures and try to collect totems. Um, there's four different types of creatures in the game. There's carps, which are these fish people. There's roaches, which are these humanoid insectoids. There's the thongs, which are these mushroom men. And then there's the spooky skellies that you don't want in your <laughs> crew of creatures. This just looks like a, a lighthearted game with some fun, vibrant artwork to match and lastly on backer kit we have the soda pop collection so this is a series of games uh, small abstract and i think all two-player games that come inside these collectible soda cans the soda cans have some kind of twist off tops i don't know if it's truly a you know aluminum soda can but it, it looks like a soda can uh, and there's 
a set of uh, four collectible cans with these four different games, uh, which you can purchase individually if you just want to try out one or get a whole set and go for all four. Yeah, that just looks like it's an interesting concept and they look like some uh, fun minimalist strategy games in this one. The Soda Pop collection, it comes in really cool packaging if you buy all four of them. Yeah, yeah. And it make a great gift if you need to just have a gift on hand for a gamer friend. Yeah, they come in a, a little refrigerator shaped box all together. Yep. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. We went from mint tins to Soda Pop cans. Next thing we'll have beer bottles. <laughs> I wanted to mention sweet deals from surprisingly fun games as well. Just hit crowdfunding will be up and available for the month of March. For backing, this is a pretty simple little card game for two to eight players. Very easily transportable, very easily played, very easily played with family and other potentially non-gamers. Basically, all the cards are very cool, sweet desserts, whether, you know, be for some cakes or ice creams or sundaes or whatever. So, and you're you're trading and drafting these cards and with each other and whatnot. And it, it seems like it's an interesting little neat game that's going to have some surprisingly cool art. I Definitely a huge step up for uh, Sean as far as his second game here from this publisher. And we'll be looking forward to talking to Sean uh, at the end of March after the Kickstarter campaign gets done and, and talk to him about next steps and other games he's got in the works uh, at Surprisingly Fun Games. And with that, we'll go ahead and take a break. And when we get come back, uh, we'll have our main topic, which is an amazing interview that we did with Dave from Paverson Games. And we're going to talk about Distilled, and we're going to talk about Luthier, and we're going to talk about all the challenges and things that go on behind the scenes for a first-time publisher that had a very successful Kickstarter campaign and how things no matter how well run and how well done, sometimes things can just go completely sideways and almost end up with backers not getting their games. With that, let's go ahead and take a break, and we'll be right back for that amazing interview. Hey folks, this is the Conzi of the Most. I just wanted to take a moment to tell you about Misty Mountain Games here in Madison, Wisconsin where you can find CCGs, RPGs, board games, minis, paint and hobby supplies for your all of your tabletop gaming experience and needs. If you can't find it online, give them a phone call or swing on by their brick-and-mortar store uh, here on the east side of Madison. Don't worry, that is MistyMountainGames.com. Check them out today. And we're back, and I've been joined by... Dave from Paverson Games. How is it going, Dave? Bad Conzie. Good to good to hear your voice and chat with you a little bit. I'm I was really looking forward to tonight. Maybe not just to, to chat with you, but also gave me an excuse to pour a drink for myself too while we're chatting. Yes, yes. Uh what are you drinking tonight? I am drinking uh an Irish whiskey. Uh it's a single pot steel whiskey called Red Breast. It's an uh, Red Breast 12. Uh, so 12-year-old Irish whiskey, delicious, some fruitiness, some spiciness, a little bit of oak and sherry. Good stuff. What about you? I would like to say I would wish I would. Oh, it's a Knob Creek. I, I do remember. It's a Knob Creek, uh, pretty their standard bourbon. So nothing. That's a good go-to. That's, a, I, that's on my shelf. That's a good sipper. 
They also make a pretty good rye, too, actually. Knob Creek's good stuff. <laughs> Talking about what we're drinking, but more <laughs> importantly, I think that leads us into what we're here to talk about, which is the game Distilled mm-hmm. and all of the good things that are going on with that. Of course, Dave, I, I, I know I got to tell you congrats when I saw you at GameholeCon, but it, it goes without mention, you know, we had, for the listeners, we had you on, and you can go listen to the previous interview when we were pre-Kickstarter mode, or or yeah. just getting nearly to go into Kickstarter, uh, full Kickstarter mode back in episode 82. You know, we've got a fulfilled Kickstarter here, or a, I shouldn't say fulfilled, but a, a successful Kickstarter here, and we're right about, about on top of fulfillment right as we speak. So big congratulations. That's a, a huge, and it was a, a massively successful Kickstarter, too, for a first-time publisher. That's, that's always remarkable. I get uh, asked a lot of times on interviews, you know, when I, when I mention that we've talked to you, a lot of the other smaller publishers that we talk to are first-time publishers. They're, they're very surprised at, at uh, how successful uh, you were and how and how you and and are very interested in how you approach that so maybe sometime we'll we'll be able to talk a little more about that yeah i'm very surprised too and i would love to know how i did it i'm still not sure (laughs) but so for those of our listeners that aren't familiar with distilled could you give us a little bit uh tell us about the game let us know exactly what it is um and and a little bit about the play and just kind of I'll I'll tell the listeners that I've gotten a chance to play it, and I have thought it was absolutely brilliant. So, and I'm super oh, excited to thanks. play this game again. Yeah, and I want to thank you again, Conzi. I mean, you were one of the OGs that uh, really supported and believed in me. I mean, that was before before I even knew what was going on here. So, uh, as a as a fellow Wisconsinite, thank you for your support uh, throughout this from the beginning all the way through, and even now. So, I'm so excited to be be chatting with you and. Um, yeah, so Distilled. Distilled is now kind of getting close to a three-year journey, uh, what I've been uh, working on. I'm the designer of the game. I also happen to own the, the company as well, so I'm a kind of indie publisher, if you will. And when I created Distilled, I set out to make a game about uh, distilling alcoholic spirits, whiskey, gin, vodka, rum, I love games out there like vitic- like the worker placement cult- um, viticulture. I love also worker placement with games that having to do with perhaps with beer as well. Um, so some great beer and wine games. There's nothing out there about making alcoholic spirits. There's a couple good uh, cocktail making games, but nothing about the business and, and science behind it. So I set out to craft that. And as I was doing it, I realized it cannot be a worker placement game because so many of these games out there are that. They're trying to represent the industry, trying to represent working at a distillery because that's essentially what you're doing in the game. You've inherited a distillery from some long-lost relative and you've got to bring it back to its former glory. And it's all card-based. So it actually started out as a deck builder uh, and evolved into something that's a little bit different now. Um, But you essentially are running a distillery you have opportunities to upgrade your distillery with new kind of uh, mechanics and building essentially a tableau. You're acquiring ingredients in a in a market, kind of like a, a classic euro, where you're using funds to be able to purchase new bottles and barrels and, and, and sugars, ingredients, different ingredients go into your spirits. But you're also learning different recipes. So you're trying to uh, figure out how to make things beyond just vodka and moonshine, which is all you know how to make at the beginning of the game. 
Uh, so you need to learn some of those advanced recipes and, and perhaps think about aging your spirits in the warehouse as well. And you do this all centered around a mechanic that I came up with that was inspired by the alcoholic, or not alcoholic, the, the alcohol crafting process. When you distill alcohol, the first part of the run that comes off the still is actually toxic. It'll blind you, it'll kill you. It's what they make nail polish remover out of actually. And also the last part of the run is also not good either. So distillers know this and they cut it out of the run and then they actually end up reusing it. So I have players do that too in the game where they're putting a bunch of different cars together, all these different ingredients, water and yeast and, and corn maybe if they're making a bourbon and putting that all together and then they're shuffling it up and they're taking the top and the bottom card. The problem is if they're trying to skimp on their recipe and they only put maybe one corn in and their recipe requires one corn, when they take the top and the bottom card, those are removed. So it's a little bit of push your luck. And so the players will take those out. They get to make them late, use them later. But that means they just went from making maybe a, a nice bourbon to maybe a, just a moonshine because they have no corn left in their, in their uh, batch. So it's turned out to be a fun game where People that enjoy learning a little bit about the alcohol making process enjoy it. People that like a little bit of push your luck, but also know how to mitigate it in the game as well, like it. And then, of course, just typical Euro players enjoy it too. I can say that happened exactly to me when I got to try it. I was trying to make the uh, the character that inherits the the gin, the the yeah, the signature recipe. Yep, and I'm trying to make their trying to make her signature recipe, and I kept pulling the fruit off the top, yeah, like yeah. the top card off, and like ah, yeah, you didn't put enough fruit in there, did you, Conzi? You got you got you got scolded for it, and you kept probably making I, vodka or, or moonshine. <laughs> yeah, something like that. It wasn't it wasn't good stuff, but I, I, I managed to come out okay in points in the end. I don't think it was second or something in the game. So nice. it nice. worked out. It worked out. It wasn't all bad when you couldn't craft exactly what you wanted to, which exactly. is, it's nice. It's, it's punishing when you get the, you get, when you draw that bad cut and you, you know, push your luck on it, but it's not like game breaking, which was yeah, really yeah. nice. Yeah. And that's what we, I wanted to do. I wanted to make sure it was something that even if you don't make that London dry gin, signature London dry gin by your distiller, you're still going to be able to make something, vodka or moonshine. You're going to get points. You're going to get money. You can sell it and, and make more money. So I wanted to be sure to do that. But I also, I, I like luck in games. I, I really do. Um, and I like even more the idea of being able to push that luck but and mitigate it as well. And so that's why I think this brings it into what BGG is, users are saying is right around a 3.0 on the scale because if you really wanted to, you could mitigate every single ounce of luck in the game. So for instance, if I didn't want to pull those those fruits, the juniper berries out, out of that recipe perhaps for the gin, I just need to add more of those. I need to spend more money to do that, but I can do that. And then I even if I lose them, I still have enough in the recipe. But usually players don't want to do that because that costs so much. So they're willing to kind of cut corners a little bit, but sometimes that comes back to bite them. Well, there's only so many fruit cards in the deck, too, right? Yeah, so, yeah that's true, too. Uh, which I think they're the, the, if I remember right, they were some of the lower quantity cards that were going to come out for you yep. to be able to acquire. So not only were they a little more expensive, but fruit was also a little bit more of a challenge to maybe acquire because they might not come, they, they just might not be available to you when you're wanting to go buy because some of the other players might be acquiring it as well. That's right. So there's, there was a nice, interesting push your luck with it, but also, which I really enjoyed, uh, and also just 
kind of interesting strategy. I never did get a chance to try any of the actual barrel aging uh, mechanics, but I, I don't I don't know if that was maybe strategically the best thing to do with what I was doing or with that particular character. Um, I'll have to play it again and find out. Exactly. And that we tried to do that too with the design of the game and the balance where if someone like you wants to just go full tilt unaged spirits, so vodka, gin, maybe some cachaca, uh, you can do that. Uh, but then if a player wants to really invest into aged spirits, they can as well. And although aged spirits give you quite a lot more points, um, they take a lot longer to make. So they take multiple rounds to sit in your warehouse to age. Uh, and so you're kind of missing out on that money that you might be getting when you make unaged spirits, which is funny because that's actually exactly how it works in distilleries. Distilleries, oftentimes when they first open, they will make whiskey, but they can't sell it because it has to age in a warehouse for a number of years. So they have no money. Like they've spent all their money on the barrels. They've spent their money on making the alcohol and it's just sitting in a warehouse. And so what do they do? Uh, almost every single new distillery to a T goes in to start making vodka and gin. Gin usually is their big one because you can immediately make gin uh, or you can immediately make it and immediately sell it. And so you'll see that at distilleries oftentimes. And that's what I've tried to emulate and distilled as well, where if you made that whiskey, it sits there. So you have to turn around and make something to make you some money as well in the meantime. And I think there's a, the barrel aging process also had a little bit of risk to it as well, right? Because you're adding cards that you don't necessarily know what they're going to be exactly for a result. Mm -hmm. So you might have a, a really good aged whiskey on your hands or it <laughs> might have flopped a little bit. So yeah, it's a, yeah. there's always a, always an element of risk yeah. everywhere with what you're doing in this game, which is nice. You're, you're managing and you're mitigating it, but at the same time, no matter what you do, it might just go all wrong. Yeah, it might go wrong, especially if you're just starting out uh, and trying to age something for the first time, as opposed to someone maybe that has done it a couple times already or they've invested in the right uh, upgrades. There's there, You can actually purchase up to three different upgrades for your distillery, and you could choose to purchase those upgrades to do things like uh, help you in the aging process. So, for instance... Maybe I choose an upgrade that actually allows me to pick the flavors that go into my batch, right? Or allows me to add even more flavors. And so that also then allows you to mitigate that luck, but at a cost. You've got to pay for those upgrades to be able to do that. And those are quite expensive too. So you're right. There's always an element of risk, but then I've I've tried to make it so that there's oftentimes an opportunity to to mitigate that, but at a cost. Which is, I mirrors so much of what the industry is trying to exactly. do, right? So, yep. so that sets us up for what is distilled and what this game is. And it's, like I said, I got the opportunity to play it. It was, I absolutely enjoyed it. I'm very much jonesing to get my hands on it. So <laughs> what's the next step for distilled? Can you tell us a little bit about what's going on with it right now? I know there's been some challenges here as we're getting really close to that delivery. And we're all super excited to see you get over that hump. But can you tell Thanks. us a little bit what's going on so folks that back this maybe have an idea and folks that didn't back it can get a, get maybe a little bit of an understanding of some of that some of the struggles that yeah. designers designers and publishers have sometimes. Yeah, yeah. You know, this could be an entire interview on itself, just talking about the trials and tribulations of of production. So not even design. So, you know, for those out there that think about wanting to design a game or have, which is great too, 
Um, that's kind of the first big leg, and that's a big that's a big challenge, a big uh, thing to overcome. So kudos to you if you've done that or if you want to take that on. Um, but then, of course, you've got to figure out how to make this thing come into a reality, right? So you could design it, and actually the Game Crafter right here in our own state of Wisconsin um, does a great job of being able to allow you to maybe uh, manufacture just a small quantity, maybe five or ten copies of a game you design. But if you want to really design that thing and get it out into the hands of, of many hundreds, thousands of people, then you're going to have to start thinking about things like Kickstarter or working with a publisher. Um, but eventually, that probably, in order to be able to make your money back or make it worthwhile, you're probably going to have to have that manufactured over in China, overseas somewhere. Not always, but usually uh, that's the majority of, of what people do when they're manufacturing board games, like the ones we see in stores. Are, are almost always manufactured in China. And so that's what I did with Distilled. And that took up months and months and months and months and months, back and forth, uh, approving things, back and forth as well, getting cop sample copies, approving those, or telling them to change things. Well, when that's all said and done, after you've written the big fat check, and let me tell you, is a big fat check to have that stuff manufactured, um, they put it on a boat. And they uh, they put it in cartons like we know. They put it on a freighter, and that starts traveling across the sea. Well, the English copies of the game, because I had it printed in other copies as other languages as well. Most of the English copies were headed to North America, and they went straight from China across the Pacific uh, up to actually British Columbia. And Prince Rupert, they they arrived there in in that uh, harbor. They unloaded them. Everything was going great. This was in uh, January. I want to say early January. They loaded uh, four, or wait, let's see, three, no, four, four, three cartons, three shipping containers onto a train. And that thing, that train started barreling across the Canada. It was heading to Indianapolis. Why Indianapolis? And, you know, why Canada? I don't know. That's just the port that they happened to ship it into. But it was going to Indianapolis because I had made a partnership with Fun Again Logistics. Fun Again Logistics has, has fulfilled many a game for me as a Kickstarter backer, maybe for some of you as listeners too. Well, as it was training across the country, across Canada actually, the announcement came from Fun Again that they were closing their doors. <laughs> and I had to think very fast about what I was going to do with Distilled because Unfortunately, I kind of thought maybe I could say, hey, when it gets into the train yard at Indianapolis or Chicago, can you just lift those containers up and put them on another train and I can send them somewhere else? That's not how it works. It's basically its end place is the warehouse in Indianapolis. So all of my games, all 15,000 of my games uh, were delivered to the warehouse in Indianapolis at Fun Again basically have, over the last month or so have had to figure out what plan B is to fulfill the backers. And I, I want to pause really quick and just give a commendation to fun again, you know, throughout this process, uh, the, the people that made the decision to close the, the fun again, logistics down were not the people I was in, interacting with and they worked hard as, as much as they could to be able to make it as successful as they could for me in this transition. So I want to thank them for that. Um, uh, they really have have uh, stuck out their neck for, for me to, to help me transition. So what I've decided to do is I'm moving all the product to QML, so Quartermaster Logistics down in Florida. So you might say, Dave, that's kind of crazy. Like you had it in the warehouse. 
send me the darn game. In fact, I've even Conzie, I've even gotten emails from people in Indianapolis like, I'll show, I'll show up at the warehouse. I'll just go get my game. Just tell me where it is. Like, well, that's not really how it works. I can't necessarily just have people start showing up at the warehouse. Um, but I, I had to do that because otherwise uh, there's a chance that the games would have been stuck there. They wouldn't have had the opportunity to be, because they were only going to be open for another month. They wouldn't have been able to perhaps fulfill the games with how many factory or how many warehouse employees they had. So I feel I made the right decision shipping it down to fun again or shipping it down to QML, sorry, uh, which basically means reloading it onto four different semis and, and having those truck in a caravan down to Florida. And then the hope now is that, again, depending on when you're listening to this, we hope that by the end of March, uh, our backers are uh, getting their games across the country or at least starting to, if, if not already received. That's the short version, Cozy. There's a lot more to it than that. <laughs> I'm sure there is. And I, I would say, of course, for folks that are curious and are and are kind of paying attention, you've been doing a great job of of keeping the backers updated, at least from my from my pers- perspective anyways, uh, through either, you know, just following you on social media or through the backer updates. So it's re- it's really appreciated. You're you're very transparent in it. And Certainly, this is not the biggest debacle I've ever been a part of as part of or I, that I've as a backer that I've experienced with uh, projects. So, you know, the important thing is that we're all going to get our games. It's just a, a little bit of a delay. And unfortunately, it's probably a bit, you know, from a business perspective, it's a, it's a little bit of an unexpected cost to you as well. Yeah. And we all need to just kind of understand that. And, and also, I, and I point out all the time, you know, Paverson Games is how many people? It's yourself and one other person, My, or just yourself? me, myself, and I. <laughs> so when we're talking about, you know, this is a company of one, right? So it's yep. and and it's and it's the hey, it's not my day job; it's my secondary yeah. job on top That's of right, it, right? Yeah, yep. And and you know, although although I'm a, a business of one, I've got some phenomenal supporters, partners out there. So uh, I want to mention. You know, Eric Evanson, as the artist uh, for Distilled, has been great throughout this process as far as the graphic design and art. But hands down, without a doubt, the the VIP All-Star MVP goes to Richard Woods. Uh, he's actually someone I met during the pandemic online. He placed us to Distilled. He fell in love with it. And ever since, we we talk every day on online. And he's essentially my developer. If I could, he knows this. If I could hire him full-time as another person at, at Paverson Games, I would. But I can't yet, but he's actually over in the UK. So that's been an, a fantastic collaboration as well. And obviously there's lots of others that have helped out here or there. But yeah, it's pretty much every day I go to work, I get home, and then I put on my indie board game owner hat and I work on the computer to do that stuff. <laughs> yep. No, I can appreciate that. You, you so. totally know what that's like, Gonzi. Oh, yeah. The <laughs> the amount of work that goes into the podcast media creation side of things I'd love to say, oh, you just sit down in front of a camera or you sit down in front of a, a microphone and you just make it happen and it goes. And some people, they're naturally blessed and that's that's exactly what happens. But when you got a five-person team that you're trying to coordinate and we're all doing it on the side and then video creation and learning that process, it's it, it, it all takes time. And uh, I think we probably spend way more of the time doing way boring things that we never thought we would be doing when we started this started getting this idea than <laughs> than actually doing the the game creation or the actual media creation to to make it happen so 
uh, for those that are aspiring designers out there, that's the biggest thing I've heard and I, I can pass on is that if you do decide to design a game and decide to kickstart a game, just know that you're not getting into the game design business. You're getting into the board game company, publishing, owning, running a business business. And and uh, I don't get to do as much design as much as I'd like anymore because there's just so much business. Just like you said, the tech, the production, the scheduling, there's a, there's a lot that goes into it. And I'm glad I do it. And just like you are too, but whoo, it's, it's more than I expected. Yes, absolutely. So Distilled will eventually show up in game stores and whatnot after it gets out to backers, I'm sure. And then there's going to be the next is what's what's next? What's on the horizon for distilled beyond yeah, getting yeah. it to the stores and and getting it into people's hands? Is there is, do you have any other ideas or uh, content in mind that's going to be coming to distilled that we can we can hear about or is that all yeah. top secret? No, no, I, I haven't actually talked about this much. So you you all might be one of the first that uh, will hear this. I've talked about it some somewhat within our discord community but uh, not not on a podcast. So this will be fun to talk about. Well, first, so yeah, so the backers will get it and then we'll, we're trying as best as we can to have it show up to retail a little bit after that. And I hope that you'll see it in a variety of different types of uh, friend, friendly local game stores. Obviously, you can get it online too. So if, if you're someone that missed the Kickstarter, I'll have it for sale on my own website as well as um, I think you'll probably find it on Amazon eventually too. Then what's next is most in the near future is us going to conventions. So if you are a convention goer and you're listening to this, we are going to be at Origins. So that's going to be in late June. Uh, and that's in Ohio. That's in Columbus, Ohio. We're going to be at Gen Con in early August in Indianapolis. We actually, if, if anyone's listening over the across the pond, I'm actually going to be at UK Games Expo in early June. So know that as well. So those are the three big conventions that I know we're going to be at. I've been hearing a lot of great things about PAX U, PAX Unplugged. Uh, I might try and go to that this year. We'll see. Um, that's later in the fall. For sure, those three. And why I say that is because we will have the game there. We will also have a lot of the little goodies that our backers will have gotten for like ridiculously low cost prices. Uh, but we'll be selling them to everybody else at those cons. So if you are someone, again, that you don't feel like, ah, oh, shoot, I missed the Kickstarter, we will have a lot of that available. I'd love to meet you as well, so I hope you'll stop by our booth. We'll have booths at those cons. So that's kind of what's next as far as something that people can all participate in uh, in the next couple months through the summer. Now, with that said... I'm really excited about the next step we have for Distilled. It's a it's a small step, but it's a neat step. The base game, as I mentioned before, Konzi, uh, is essentially around a 3.0 uh, BGG weight. I'm a I'm a gamer that enjoys, as well as Richard, uh, my developer, is a gamers that enjoy even a slightly more heavy uh, game sometimes when when we can when we when we want to get together with it. Now we do have an expansion that will be at cons, and that expansion, is essentially, it's called Africa and Middle East Expansion. That's something that our Kickstarter backers, if they back the certain pledge level, will be getting to. It's a small expansion. It, it's it's probably about 100 cards with some t tokens as well. Really adds some new flavor to the game, no pun intended, but also adds a little bit of uh, added difficulty, added weight to the game as well, added strategy. Not a ton, but a little bit. But... 
the really exciting thing that I'm I'm kind of announcing for one of the first times, I think, is that we have pretty much already finished a mini expansion that'll be about a it'll be kind of like a tuck box 52 card deck. We're calling cask strength. So distilled cask strength. What that is is typically when we talk about a whiskey, and if it says cask strength on it, it means it's extra it's much higher in alcohol. It's much stronger. So what this cask strength does for the players, if they so choose to buy this, is that they can actually take these cards and replace the cards in the base game. And these cards all have extra powers on on them that will make the game exponentially more heavy in terms of strategy. There's a couple other mechanics that we're including as well, uh, like a, a variable market that will be there too, as far as prices going up and down too. So we're really excited about that. And that, this actually has been designed by Richard Woods. So the, the developer of the game, he took his hand at, at designing it and it's pretty phenomenal. It's a, it's a lot of fun. And like I said, it adds a lot to the game, the base game. It'll, it really should only be for players that have played it a couple times and are looking for that extra, that extra strength in the game. And the deal is we're not exactly sure when we're going to release this because it's it's pretty much finished. Uh, Eric's working on the art and graphic design for it. He's finishing that some of that stuff up as we speak. We originally were thinking we might have it ready for the cons, but we've decided to hold that off on that for a bit. And what we might do is we either might offer it if we end up doing another print run for Distilled or offer it perhaps in the future. So that's something that Distilled players can look forward to. I, I can't talk about the other expansions that we're thinking about as well, but I'm also thinking about bigger expansions too. So looking forward to that. But that would probably be another year or two out. So that's a little further down the road. Oh, that would be a great thing to probably pair up with a reprint too. So mm-hmm. that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Actually, that little expansion sounds that that sounds really exciting. I mean, obviously need to get a few, I need to get a few more plays, yep. but that sounds like the perfect thing to add to the game. I don't have to sit there and completely relearn the game the mm-hmm. next time I go to play. I just, oh, it's a quick swap out. Now I've got a more challenging experience. I can fit, you know, new patterns, new whatever I've got to figure out to, to be able to hopefully not come in second like I did the first time I played it. But, uh... <laughs> Yeah, that, I think that's perfect. And I really appreciate that from, from myself. Like, you, we talk about making games heavier or heavier weight games. And I have a lot of those, like On Mars being a classic one. I love that mm-hmm. game. It's a great game, very popular, but it's every time it hits the table, it's a complete relearn of the game because yep. it's the complexity level of the, all of these mechanics and order of operations that you have to do just right to make the game work means you got to almost relearn it unless you're playing it with that kind of crazy frequency and i think this sounds like you know after a play of distilled i i could almost tell you how to play it and it's been two months since i played Mm -hmm. it so you know there's a lot of strategy in the game but it's not a game that was so hard to conceptually understand how to play and this sounds like it's going to be a perfect fit to be able to just mix it up and not have that experience that i have when i when i have a really crunchy complex game to have to relearn a bunch of mechanics that's exactly right that's exactly right and and that's what our aim was was something that was small affordable an easy choice for players that enjoyed the game right Uh, but also and listeners can't really 
visualize this, I think, until they see it or lift it up in person. But uh, this is this is a typical of a first time creator like myself. But the game really is a game and a half in the box. So I made the mistake or the gift to you as the player uh, of packing way too much in this box. Um, uh, if I if I had been a responsible uh, uh, kind of typical publisher, I would have been like, Bruh, no, let's only give them like half of that content. And then let's, let's tease this out into a couple different expansions and introduce that to them too. But I just couldn't get over that. I couldn't resist the fact that I wanted to give the backers who were supportive of me and my dream as much as we possibly could. So you're going to find that the box is bigger than, and I'm not kidding here, bigger than and heavier than Blood Rage, than uh, um, uh, um, Tapestry. It's a big box and it's got a lot of stuff in it because it's got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of cards in it. It's got game trays in it and that's even the retail version. So I felt like if we came out with some big schnazzy giant expansion, uh, gamers would have been like, oh, I've barely even gotten through the original game. What are you making me have this too now? So we thought something nice and small that will still fit in the in the base game uh, would be a nice nice addition. Appreciate the fact that you gave us a complete game right out of the box too, because there's a couple of companies and a couple of games in particular uh, out there. Uh, Star Wars Out of Outer Rim from uh, Fantasy Flight Games in particular mm-hmm. that I can name off that when I played it. And I played it a second time. I'm like, okay, I've played through all of the content. This thing oh, feels geez, like really? it needs an expansion desperately to give me more replayability. And guess what? Almost two or three years later, it finally got an expansion. And now it feels like an actual complete game, right? <laughs> versus uh, versus the game that was unfinished. Because, if yeah. you, you know, they definitely made that cut on... Well, in order to make this price point, it's got to have just this level yeah, of content. Exactly. We can't we can't print any more cards. So no, we that's really exactly appreciate that. Right. Yeah, it's exactly right. And, and you know, distill this a fairly expensive game, but I think we're going to see that we already are. But I think we'll continue to see that with games. We have to understand it's a luxury item, even if we don't. We, even if it's just a bunch of cardboard and plastic, it's still a luxury item. And so I'm pricing this like a fine whiskey, right? So the 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 cost is allowing me to be able to continue to make games and not really make much of a profit, honestly. Uh, it just makes so it costs so much to put game trays in the box. For instance, adds a whole nother layer of cost and and logistics. Um, uh, and I want that because I want the players to feel like they're playing with a top shelf whiskey. Uh, but at the same time, you know, players owners of this need to understand that's why that's the case. But talking with my wife Suzanne she absolutely loves that kind of stuff when it goes into a game and the in the thought and care about adding something as simple as a game tray it makes the game so much faster to get back to the table and the more you play a game the faster and easier it is to get back to the game table mm-hmm. people talk about it more they play it more and then when you get around to adding content on it they're more excited about getting into those expansions especially if it if it's just adding to those those things that they already love about the game yeah exactly so we talked a little bit about what's next for distilled but what's next for patterson games what's on the horizon i know there's at least one new game on the horizon yeah you got it conzi so um you know it's a it's a funny story i think it was probably Last year at Origins, I have a booth. I have a 10 by 10 booth, overwhelmed with like the support and the excitement of people coming by and saying hi and 
some people pre-ordering the game. So that was what, June of 2021, or sorry, 2022. I kickstarted in 2021, July of 2021. So June of 2022, I'm at Origins. I don't have the game. I'm saying, hey, would you like to pre-order this? And some people are. Backers are coming up to me and congratulating me and getting excited. And multiple people are asking that same question you just asked. Hey, what's so? Uh, what's next, Dave? What's next? I'm like, uh, uh, I don't know. I just want to get. And I, my my actual response was, I just want to get this through this. I just want to get this delivered. Um, but that, of course, started playing in the scene. And I'm not kidding. It's 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 one of those things that if you looked at my resume my cv of my life you'll see that i kind of jump from things to things not in a bad way it's just that i love to do what fascinates me and gets me excited and then i'll jump on the next thing so like i've designed a full video game myself i've uh, done some of the coding i've done all the art and 3d modeling and animation written the story that took three or four years but that's what i wanted to do so that's what i did i've done sculptures and animations and my background's art and design but when i made the game it it completely took over everything in my life. And all my friends can attest to this. I lived and breathed this still, and I still do. When someone, people started asking me about what, what's next, I kind of panicked because I realized, I don't know. What's next? Maybe it's like me going on vacation <laughs> or something, somehow relaxing. But seriously, what happened is that planted a seed and started thinking, well, hey, I actually think I'm kind of pretty good at like running a publishing company. I, I love interfacing with backers and fans online and at conventions. And uh, I love designing games. Like what, what can I do here? Maybe I should do this. I seriously, before that, I was not sure if I was going to make any other games. It was me just trying this out. So I thought back to, I had some ideas for games. I started working on, I I'd already had some ideas for games. I started working on those, shooting them around with Richard again. Again, I'm talking to him, my confidant pretty much every day. There's some interesting ideas that I'm excited about, but I just don't have the capacity to kind of start from scratch again like I have with Distilled because I've been doing the company as well. And I, then I remembered back to, uh, let's see, January of 2020, before the world fell apart. Um, and uh, I was at Protospiel, Minnesota. Protospiel is a an opportunity for a bunch of game designers to come together and test rough prototypes of games, play test each other's games. And there was a game there by a designer, a, a guy that I met that weekend. His name was Abe Burson, Abraham Burson. And it was called Luthier. And it was so January 2020. It was interesting. It was a, it was a game about um, making musical instruments. So like basically making guitars, maybe a violin, mainly guitars, modern day. You're, you're, you're crafting these instruments. And that was interesting in itself. I don't really have a musical background, but I was fascinated by this idea of crafting instruments. I saw similarities with, with Distilled. That was the very first ever public-facing kind of event I had brought Distilled to as well, so that was interesting. But then the other thing about it was there's a really unique mechanism he had where essentially it was worker placement, but it was hidden bidding. So basically you had chips with different uh, skills on them. So like one worker was a one wasn't very skilled. One worker was a five, very skilled. And you drop these chips on different places on the board and other people can too. And then you figure out who is going to be basically getting to do that thing first or get the best thing and who's going to get the second best thing, et cetera, et cetera. And it was kind of interesting. There's other games that have done something like that, but nothing like this. And so that was interesting too. Well, fast forward two years later, kind of, well, yeah, two years, basically 20, 
uh, January of 2023. So, uh, or sorry, 2022. And I'm realizing that that could be a really interesting game for maybe Paverson Games to take on. It had it had been developed for a number of years, and and I think there were some interesting elements to it. But I thought, you know what? I'm going to reach out to Abe, and I'm going to see if he's interested in me bringing that on as Paverson Games' next game. But also proposing to him that I co-design it. I basically take the game he's designed and then kind of tear it down to its studs and build it back up in kind of what I'm envisioning as well. So that's what I've been doing for the last probably about six months. We've been working hard on that, again, with Richard as a developer. I with uh, designing kind of the, the second phase of this version of this game. And yeah, so Luthier is going to be the next game by Paverson Games. Um, probably, if all goes well in 2024 is when we'll kickstart it. Uh, maybe a little earlier, but likely 2024. We have signed uh, artists and graphic designers for it, so we're really excited about that. We can't, I can't necessarily say who yet, but we're really excited about it. And we've been playtesting it at a bunch of different conventions and meetups, and I think it's getting pretty close. So it's a heavier game. It's probably around 3.75 on the BGG scale. It takes a little longer as well. Some people have compared it to, to Tricurion, uh, elements of it with Tricurion, as well as... Uh, Trying to think of some of the other games. Well, anyway, there's a couple other games I think that people have compared it to as well. Um, Kalamala, I think, is another one. And so we're really excited about it. I can't wait to announce some of the updates and news as far as artists and, and graphic designers for the game. And we will be also running demos and playthroughs of that at the conventions this summer as well. So if people are interested in getting a glimpse into that, those will be at the conventions too. Long answer to your question, Cozy. Sorry. I was just going to go ask that. Is a, or can we expect to get a chance to play this at at any of these upcoming cons you're going to be at? But uh, yeah, yeah, you yeah. beat me to it. Yeah, and it's it's uh, just as in the line of Paverson Games, what we really try and strive for is rich thematic experiences that are connected to the gameplay, to the mechanics. So I think players will find that ringing true with Luthier as well. The game now is re-envisioned to kind of take place in the cla- uh, golden age of classical music. So you're one of the famous luthier or instrument making families you are crafting instruments for patrons such as beethoven or king louis uh or the medici family and so it's it, we're really trying to tap into that authentic historical connection but also with theme but also with some really interesting new innovative mechanics as long as I don't have to feed my family after each game round, we'll be probably doing pretty good. You don't. There is no feeding or paying of workers. I I thought about it at the beginning, but we, we decided not to include that. <laughs> Future expansion. That's right. That sounds awesome, though. It's, it's, uh, it's intriguing, and it sounds like uh, the more I hear about the gameplay for this one, the more it sounds intriguing. I... When you started describing the game, I'm like, oh, I've played games that have similar mechanics, but this sounds like it's going to be a uh, a much thinkier, more more complex, heavier strategy game than some of those games I think I've played before. So yeah, yeah, um, I, I think you'll find that it's it's a bigger game, like it takes up a decent amount of table space. It's of course as a crunchier, heavier game at 3.75 weight. Uh, it's going to take a little longer to play than Distilled. So it's it is going to be for, more for those gamers that like kind of that experience, but we're gonna just like we did with Distilled, we're we're going to be really 
cognizant of designing tutorial or introductory experience for gamers. So the first time they play, we'll hold their hand, we'll walk them through it, help them learn for those that want it. Some people like to just dive in, but uh, with Distilled, we created something like that too, uh, just because we want to make sure people don't feel too overwhelmed uh, with what's in front of them. I thought that was a really unique uh, way to learn the game too. If you maybe if you don't mind just talking a little bit about how you kind of came up with that way to kind of put a learn to play right into the game, like, but also it's you're playing the game as part of that learn to play. Yeah. So it's funny. I didn't think about doing this at the beginning, but what we discovered with Distilled and with the Kickstarter is that. I don't know what the percentage is. I, I'll probably never know. But let's just say a majority of the people that back to sealed probably are gamers that enjoy a, a nice medium weight Euro game. But I am very confident based on our Facebook community, uh, our Kickstarter comments. I'm very confident that a, a good chunk of those backers do not play many games. But they love whiskey. So what I needed to do is I needed to make sure that they had just as positive and enjoyable an experience for that first play as those that are comfortable playing medium weight Euro games. So I decided to create an entirely separate booklet that walks people through the first round of the game. And it doesn't just say like, okay, here's the instructions to do this and this. It literally tells you, okay, Conzie, you're playing as the British nun uh, who makes gin. We're telling you, you should do this. And in fact, we're telling you to read that out loud so that everyone else at the table can see why you're doing that action and why you're making that decision, even though it's making it for you. It takes a little longer to get through the first round, but what we find is uh, generally, almost every case it seems like, then by the time they start the second round, everybody knows how to play. And no one's had to really do a big, long teach, you know, because you don't want to get the gamers that love a glass of whiskey don't play many games to sit down. And then someone says, okay, now I'm going to sit here and teach you for the next 45 minutes how to play this game. We've all been there. And if we're gamers, we're okay sitting through that because we kind of know that's a rite of passage for the uh, uh, a game sometimes. But in this case, I just wanted to make sure that happened. So yeah, we've got an entirely separate booklet. It's called First Taste, Beginner's Guide to Distilled. It walks you through the first uh, round of the game. Uh, we developed this in concert with Richard, as well as Cody Reimer, who is my rules editor. The three of us made this together and kind of created this together. We play tested. It seemed pr- like it went pretty well. I was inspired a little bit by a few different games. Actually, Fantasy Flight has done this for years, where they'll have a learn to play booklet. It's not the same thing, but it's they'll have two separate booklets, one learn to play and one rules book. But then uh, the one I probably got the most inspiration from was wingspan because wingspan had a something, I forget if they call it swift. I think it's swift start. And essentially each player had their own dedicated card or large, large, almost like placemat size card that they did somewhat of the same thing. They didn't have to follow it, but they did somewhat of the same thing. And that seemed to be pretty effective. So I took inspiration from that. And then finally, the last thing I'll say is that, um, and this is something I recommend to any designers or publishers out there. I decided to commission um, two different content creators that are well-known for creating tutorials. Uh, and I commissioned them for the release of the game so that uh, when people get the game, they'll know that they can actually watch the video of how to play too, in case they're kind of more visual learners as well. Oh, that's actually a really good idea. 
And I will say, like, my first learning and experience, I was a little apprehensive initially about the approach because I'm like, oh, I'm a seasoned gamer. I can just make my own decisions on this. What What do you mean I've got to, like, do this these pre-programmed steps? But after after that, I was like, oh, I fully understand how to play this game, and now I can just start <laughs> making decisions of my own, and maybe not the right decisions, but uh, <laughs> I made my I made the decisions on my own, and and I was I, and I feel like I was making good decisions. I wasn't it wasn't able to, you know, I wasn't I wasn't completely breaking down and and, and making bad decisions. Just a little bad luck on drawing my, all my fruit out of my first gin. Uh, my first uh, try at making my my specialty gin, but uh, <laughs> it, it worked out. It was it was still worked out. It was really really a fun experience, and I was really excited about it. And and for those of you that are listening to this, I I will say like Distilled is a very unique card game. Don't think of it as your standard deck builder or your standard set collection or whatever card game. This is a very unique experience. It's a much different card game experience than. I think anything I've ever played before, but it's it's so clever and unique, and and I'm really excited to actually play this again and, and actually get to play it with my friends now that haven't experienced it and keep hearing me talking about it. So, <laughs> I, I, you know, if you get the opportunity, stay tuned and, uh, you know, get the opportunity to try this game over the course of the next a uh, few months uh at one of these cons or buy, or buy it, go out and buy it yourselves. I strongly recommend that. And if you're really interested in finding out more about this game, obviously you can listen back to episode 82 uh, where we had Dave on before. But uh, once we get our own copy here, we will also be bringing content for it to our YouTube channel as well. So cool. lots of ways you can find out about Distilled from Wisco Dice as well. Dave, do you think we're kind of getting close to wrapping up here? But before I let you go, was there anything else that uh, you can think of that people might want to know about Distilled or Luthier or anything else that's going on with Paverson that uh, is important? Yeah, I th- I think I don't I think we're pretty good, Conzie. I mean, I think if people are interested, and I'm sure they'll be able to find that through via Wisco Dice too. But you'll be able to find pretty much anything you need to know at at PaversonGames.com. So uh, that website will have information that also tends to have some of our updates and news too. So there's a little bit of info about Luthier too. If you do want to follow along, both Distilled and Luthier have BGG profiles. Obviously, we have social media, so Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We've got a pretty active Facebook and Discord community, so those two as well. So yeah, I would just say that if people are curious, do a search for us online. Follow us with, with whichever flavor you you appreciate and enjoy. I hope you'll see that I love it when people reach out. I usually try and personally connect with them as well. So if if you have a question about rules or anything like that, uh, feel free to reach out as well. Yeah, and we'll have links to uh, Paverson Games and everything on the Wisco Dice website as part of the release of this episode. So just if you can't find anywhere else, go to wiscodice.com and you will have it right there for you. So with that, Dave, I want to thank you for taking the time tonight. We really appreciate it. It's, it's awesome talking to you again, and I look forward to seeing you, at least in face-to-face. I will, I will say we will be at Gen Con for sure. Awesome. We're still, de- we're still debating the origins appearance, but uh, Gen Con is for sure. Tickets bought, hotels bought. We will be there. Wisco Dice will be there, and we're cool. actually going to be in. should be more than just Suzanne, and I think Suzanne, myself, and Matt from the show will all be at cool. uh, Gen Con. So we'll, well be sure to sure sw- we- swing by. We'll do a little interview at the booth or something. That'll be fun. 
That'll be a lot of fun. Cool. All right. Until then, we'll talk to you later. All right. Thanks, Cozy. Talk to you later. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you leave a review of this show wherever your favorite place is to find podcasts. Oh, and by the way, give us a like on our Facebook page. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Pinterest while you're at it. If you haven't looked recently, make sure you catch up on the blog at wiscodice.com. Hey, Brian, what's that site? Oh, darn. I forget. Uh, Justin, what's our website again? Wiscodice.com. That's right. It's wiscodice.com. And until next time, everyone, peace out.